What is the great transition? We're going to find out today with the amazing Emmanuel Daniel. If you don't already know him, he's an entrepreneur, an author, and top influencer in the finance industry. He founded the Asian Banker in Singapore in September 1996 as a publisher of research and benchmarking and events serving the financial services industry. Daniel is a chairman of TAB Global PTE Limited, which runs the Asian Banker, Wealth and Society, and other content and community platforms. I hope you enjoy this one. Stay tuned for more episodes coming up. Emmanuel, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's an honor to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about the great transition. You have a book, The, Personal the Personalization of Finance is Here. Talk to us. What does that mean? Sindrit, uh, great to be on your show. Uh, great to be able to address your audience uh, on this uh, book that I've written and the ideas that I've put together. Uh, essentially, uh, what I'm saying in my book uh, is that finance is going to be increasingly more personalized than it ever was. Um, you know, that's the cover of the book. And there's a piece of ice cube on the cover. Uh, so I use the story of ICE uh, to describe what personalization uh, will mean going, uh, you know, going into the future. Um, a lot of bankers think that personalization means, um, you know, packaging their products, their mortgage products, putting it into a ribbon-bound, you know, uh, gift package and giving it to the customer and making the customer feel like uh, that particular mortgage. Uh, was meant specifically for that customer. Uh, and it couldn't be further from the truth uh, or further from the idea that I have in mind in terms of what I, I mean by personalization. Uh, that's how bankers think. You know, they, Bankers actually think that uh, what customers are asking for or need or want is a mortgage. Uh, you know, but what customers really want is a home. Uh, you know, the mortgage is a... Uh, it's a means of getting what they really wanted. So no matter how uh, a banker packages his mortgage, uh, it is still a means to an end. It's not a product in itself. It's not like going out and buying a Maserati or a Louis Vuitton bag, uh, which is an, an end to itself. Um, now, what I'm saying in my book is that we are now coming to an era where because of technology, because of platforms, because of uh, the control that individuals have uh, over their transactions, whether it's uh, you know a payment transaction or uh, whether how they borrow money from another individual or from, the, from an institution, uh, the individual is gaining increasingly uh, more control over uh, how and who he wants to transact with. Uh, and so I use the analogy of uh, the ice cube to say, just remember there was a time when ice cube used to be sawn out of the lakes out of Michigan or Boston, put on horse-drawn carriages and then taken out to faraway places, you know, whether it's New York or Havana in, in, in Cuba. And imagine the amount of wastage, uh, the amount of uncertainty that's involved uh, in making that ice cube available to the end user. And that was the trade in the 1750s. And, you know, that's I crazy. say in my book, 
uh, you know, that that uh, there were people who who dominated the trade at that time. And then um, the whole ice cube industry evolved. Today, uh, if you go to some of these old towns, you'll still see the, um, you know, the, the warehouses that the ice merchants used to use, uh, which is they, uh, you know, either, you know, uh, collect or harvest the ice and then, you know, distribute that. And finance is very much like that today. The money that is in your pocket uh, would have, you know, swirled around the world twice, um, gone through inflation, bank charges, uh, uncertainties, risk, um, you know, and so on uh, before it reaches you. And, and that's how uncertain uh, the whole idea of finance is. So when I say personalization, it means that you and I can transact with each other when we want, how we want, to the extent that we want, uh, you can lend me uh, money uh, for my mortgage uh, based on a profile that is uh, that is out there uh, about me. Uh, you know how trustworthy am I? Who am I? Uh, and all that uh, that you can get from uh, a multiplicity of sources, and which is much more um, accurate in terms of what how it describes me. Uh, because uh, the data that exists uh, all around us is rich today. It's just a matter of how you capture the data and make that available. Now, um, everything I'm saying right now uh, might sound a little, um, you know, a little bit uh, off uh, the head. But no, it actually, makes sense to me. Listen, I'm, it, I'm, a, I'm a loan officer. I'm a mortgage loan officer myself. And it it makes total sense. You're not in the business of selling a mortgage. You're out there helping people realize their dream of home ownership, of buying a home. And if you do not listen and understand what they want, personal personalized what they need, you're 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 completely like out of touch with with your clients. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I mean we have been moving in this position of personalized finance but i think what you're saying is we're we're going to get into like a hyper mode of that yeah uh, and we are halfway there already now um, you you would have heard and your your audience would have heard of um, you know p2p lending or peer to peer lending where there are today platforms that brings borrowers and lenders uh, and put them in touch with each other there's billions of dollars of lending that's already taken place in that on that, on those platforms uh, and they don't in, involve a financial institution uh, the platform doesn't take the loan onto its own balance sheet. Uh, it's really matching uh, borrowers and, and uh, lenders. Uh, but then we can go even further, um, you know, where uh, you don't even need a platform in the future. So everything that I'm, and, and not only do we not need a platform, uh, but the information that the borrower and the lender can have on each other uh, is so rich uh, and it's so diverse and it's so highly networked uh, with the communities that they belong to and so on, uh, and even information on the asset. Uh, because today, when we say mortgage, what we mean is, uh, you know, a seven to 30-year loan uh, against a fixed asset. Um, and, you know, the Gen Ys, the Gen Zs, they don't think of fixed assets in the way that the old people think. They, you know, they don't think of a house uh, as something that you're going to own for the rest of your life. Um, you know, the, the whole idea of assets itself is becoming ephemeral, meaning that why can I own an asset when I want to? 
wait a minute, is that a lease? You know, um, so um, why, yeah, well, if it's an ad, a lease, even um, uh, the idea of a lease, how can we, with more information, uh, make it more dynamic? Uh, and can I own an asset together with other people? Wait, that's, is that timeshare? Well, it is, but but because of the amount of information that, that uh, is available, uh, it's more than a timeshare. So we are coming into a world where some of these things that, uh, uh, that look juvenile even today because it's, they, are, they are rudimentary, they are pilot versions of, of the universe that we are, we are getting into the, in the network world. Um, you know, as we get there, um, the, it's the demand side that will, de that will determine it. It's not the financial institutions that we know today uh, trying to change the product for the customer. It's not. Uh, it's the you and I uh, because we have tokens in our hands, because we are networked with each other, uh, because we are plugged into a whole uh, richness of data about each other, uh, we're able to interact with each other a lot better uh, and a lot more uh, precise about exactly uh, what it is that we want to achieve with the assets that we have. So I'm saying everything. I'm saying uh, how we interact, the, the nature of the asset, where the loan exists, in whose balance sheet, uh, you know, and and the and the uh, the dynamic nature of the interaction with each other. So, if you take a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, platform, um, it is still the early days of that development. Uh, as we get more data, and the data becomes richer, and and the data is validated between the parties without an intermediary uh, involved, uh, you find that the whole idea of lending starts to change. Um, you know, so um, now I am um, confident that this is where we are going, uh, not because I'm dreaming this up, uh, that reality already exists today, um, you know, and uh, in order for us to imagine the, the totality of that, of, that, of that ecosystem that we are getting into, uh, it also includes, um, you know, the, the idea of uh, money uh, and what is money, you know, today it's a fiat uh, or a you know fictitious uh, currency created and owned by the state, um, and in the future uh, it will be um, you know every bank can uh, generate its own stable coin, uh, which uh, is not just money but a token with which you interact in the, on the on the network. So I'm saying many many things. So we got to no, you know, I, I got of... you. And be before we move into crypto. I mean, mortgages are highly regulated by uh, federal regulation, as as you're aware. Especially if you're buying a primary residence, there's you know truth in lending, debt to income ratios that you have to meet. How much do you think federal regulations would impact this personalization of finance, or would it have any impact of like slowing down this this type of growth? Uh, that we are seeing, I mean, the P2P lending, which is amazing. I don't think it can be done yet on a primary residence because there are certain disclosures you have to you have to do. Maybe you are exempt because you're probably doing only one transaction a year. You're not like a lender of like, you know, doing 500 transactions. But just your thought, what, what would you know? And, and you can talk about crypto too. What would... Uh, regulations or regulating this environment mean for for the personalization of finance? Right, it's a brilliant question because it helps us focus where exactly we are in that transition that's taking place. Um, 
regulators are trying to even figure out uh, where in the process they should play. Uh, on the one hand, they don't want to stand in the way of innovation uh, as it evolves. On the other hand, yes, they need to protect uh, the consumer. Uh, they have to protect society as a whole and so on. Um, you know, and, and there are a variety of regulators involved. There's the OCC, there's the FDIC, um, you know, there's the SEC. Um, so each of them are like trying to regulate different parts of the elephant, you know, like a, um, a blind man, you know, trying to figure out what is an elephant. And then, you know, you touch the tail and you think it's a long, thin thing, um, you know. So uh, the OCC is, in, uh, you know, very concerned about the institutions that are involved uh, and the deposits uh, that are created, uh, you know, the FDIC uh, systemic risk. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the SEC, the token that is uh, utilized in terms of, um, you know, to make the transaction, uh, you know, whether it's a token, whether it's a security, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So now, uh, is regulation standing in the way of facilitating the process? Uh, the regulation today is chasing the innovations as it takes place. Um, you know, so they've not sort of stood in the way uh, some innovation have, have taken place uh, because regulation hasn't reached it yet. So like peer-to-peer -peer lending, for example, uh, it first took off without any regulation. And then eventually the regulators got in and said, if, if what you're dealing with is a mortgage, well, we've got a law for that, you know, and you'll be regulated in the same way that banks would be. But uh, what if, um, you know, um, what a person is uh, looking for is not a mortgage, uh, you know, it's a form of a lease or a dynamic lease where he gets to use an asset when he needs to and then, um, you know, and then he co-owns that asset with several other people. Um, regulators haven't got there yet, you know, so uh, it's for the uh, entrepreneur, the, the innovator uh, to design uh, the product and, and then rename it. Uh, so that it's not called mortgage, uh, and then it stands outside regulation, and then regulation will eventually catch up and, and say, okay, look, because there are too many players in this field, it creates a, a systemic risk. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to regulate it like a mortgage. Okay, yep. so 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 regulators are in that way, um, you know, chasing the innovation as it evolves. Uh, the fact that they have captured some of the innovation uh, and called called it mortgage, for example, uh, and then there are existing like regu uh, like, uh, regulation on mortgage, will start to look different uh, as uh, technology puts more data into the process. Um, you know, the, so I say this in my book, which is the peer-to-peer -peer revolution uh, was only in its early days. Uh, and, and in its early days, uh, just because it's a platform and it brings the borrower and the lender uh, in touch with each other, uh, hasn't completed the process yet. Because in future, both the lender and the borrower is going to have incredibly more information on each other. The lender is going to say, how many thousand other potential borrowers are there who has the same profile as this borrower? Uh, you know, and uh, if, I, if I take on the asset uh, as collateral, uh, how many other um, you know, uh, lenders can I uh, hive this off? Uh, and can I have, uh, can I repackage uh, the asset uh, into uh, different uh, elements based on the borrower's uh, needs and, and uh, lifetime? 
meaning that you know in the first three years you'll look different the next seven years you'll look different and so on what is it that we need to achieve now many of this much of this information today uh, is either not available uh, or it's all over the place it's dis disparate and uh, processing it is going to be very difficult uh, with artificial intelligence uh, with open source platforms uh, you know there's a lot more technology that's going to make that uh, easily uh, transactable now this process I'm you know this process I'm talking about is not a five-year process it's not a 20-year process it might be a 30 to 50 year process but just because we're able to imagine it uh, then we know where technology is taking finance uh, and where technology is taking society as a whole uh, eventually. Now, so the book that I've written is um, not necessarily for uh, the dreamers, uh, but for the people who actually run this business today. Uh, and as the innovations come in place, and then they look at their traditional mortgage business and it's starting to look different because uh, customers are no longer asking for a 30-year loan, uh, you know, uh, and, and customers are asking, uh, for a seven-year dynamic load, can I share this with another three other customers and stuff, stuff like that? So as this happens, uh, it gives us a sense of direction of where it's taking us, um, you know. And uh, of course, a, a number of other things need to play uh, together. So, um, so for example, I'm saying to the platform players, the technology guys, that the days of the platform are over. The days that banks need to set up a digital bank. Uh, and then bring everybody together and still be the intermediary. Uh, those days are over. Why? Because the individual is taking charge of his own transactions uh, more and more today. Um, you know, and sometimes uh, the individual might uh, do his traditional banking using the traditional bank's digital banking platform, but he will have an alternative reality uh, which has to do with decentralized finance, for example. And there are two different universes today. But exactly. over time, these two will start to uh, coagulate. They will converge. Uh, and, and the traditional banker will see this on his balance sheet. Why aren't customers coming to me? Um, you know, and, and why are they going to this other platform, uh, which is not as secure as I am? You know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and this is already happening. You, you actually see that mortgages are not just, um, you know, hived off, impact, repackaged and sold off as different securities, but the origination of mortgages also coming from different sources and, and different platforms, um, you know. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's just like the days of the Model T uh, car when it was introduced in 1901. Um, you know, the, the car was heavy, um, it was slow, it was noisy, uh, you know, and all the laws that you could think about were stacked up against the automobile uh, and not on the horse-drawn carriage, you know, because the, the, the automobile was a nuisance on, on public roads at that time, yeah. you know. But over time, the automobile, and in fact, they used to have a red flag rule where an automobile needed to inform a horse-drawn carriage that they're coming uh, from behind because otherwise you scare the horses and so on. Um, you know, just imagine that's what it was. And then as, as we went on, and there are photographs of New York City where in 1901 there was a single car and then everyone else was a horse-drawn carriage. And then 1920, the horse-drawn carriage was a minority and everyone else was in a, that's, in a that's car. That's insane. You know? Yeah, they, and, they, uh, they wanted to see how they could make the horses faster, right? <laughs> 
and, and you know, thinking, yeah, well, we got to get this right. The horse has to be faster, right? Uh, you know, if we put two horses, you know, it's faster than one. Now, and then what happened was cars just became faster, quieter, lighter, uh, didn't damage the roads, um, you know, and, and, and so on. So, and, and the laws that were put in place evaporated. They, they were unnecessary because they, they didn't deal with the, 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 the institution or the, or the vehicle as it was uh, evolved. Um, so we need to think of finance in that way, that uh, we're in the early days uh, where the technology uh, may sound cumbersome uh, and may sound very uh, restricted, uh, but we are entering a networked world uh, where uh, the way in which people interact with each other, never mind get a loan or a mortgage, uh, is going to be very different from the transactional world that we live in today. I, th I think the status quo banks, they don't want this to change, obviously, for many reasons. And that's why they didn't like the crypto space because of the way it operates and the decentralization. It sounds like you've been listening to what people have been saying. The technology is there. I mean, look at chat GPT and all the other AIs that's coming up. And that's where we're eventually heading. It's, it's also a matter of adoption, right? Mass adoption. We're now, let's say, with, you know, I'm, I mean, this is something different, but we're currently 5% of the cars in the U.S. are electric. But now that people are seeing adoption in that market, we're expecting, what, 30% of the market in the next six to eight years. Uh, and same thing with finance. Um, once people see this, me and you know the peer-to-peer -peer lending, we may have even done some. Uh, but majority of the people don't know, right? And it's because the status quo uh, industry, you know, it, it, they don't want things to change, right? I mean, they lobby for things to remain the same. And it, it's it's people like you that that are a voice out there coming out with a book and educating others. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I mean, like I'll say this to you, uh, Sujit which is that um, uh, the biggest uh, pushback uh, and it, on my book, uh, especially because I shared this with executives from you know, different companies, I was surprised that the biggest pushback came from the technology companies themselves with, from uh, people at, at, uh, at Google, for example. Uh, because, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, because Google in a very short time uh, has been successful in creating this platform um, you know, industry, uh, which they dominate, um, you know, that they, they don't want to see that change. Uh, they want to be the intermediary for all transactions, uh, you know, and they cannot imagine, they cannot allow the world where the individual takes charge of his own transactions, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's actually the, 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 the suspects are the, the very institutions that we thought, uh, you know, promote innovations, uh, you know. And, and the big thing about the U.S. is that uh, it's big business that pushes back on innovation. Uh, they want to maximize the profits that they can with, uh, with the technology or the platform that they have uh, mastered. Uh, and they will hold on to it for as long as they can. Uh, until the, the capital gets deployed and, and the profits uh, are squeezed out of it before they allow the new innovation to come into place. You know? so, so the pushback that I've got from my book 
you know, like for example, the, the platform players like Google and, and uh, even Facebook, uh, you know, they were, they were saying that, um, you know, what's wrong with our existing system, you know, and on the, on the payments front, uh, they're very happy with the, with the credit card based uh, transaction platforms that exist. And I was saying to them that go to Africa where uh, tra payment transactions are no longer through credit cards because payments has been reduced uh, to a transaction between two individuals. Uh, it's basically a transfer of information, wow. um, you know, and, and um, you know, in countries in Africa where payments means a transaction from my phone to your phone, there's no bank in the middle, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the money exists in your little SIM card. Uh, and, and people in the U.S. cannot fathom that uh, because we are all used to the credit card, not realizing how uh, antiquated uh, the credit card industry is. There are five or six players at the back end, uh, all profiting from each credit card transactions that of exist. Course. You know, and it takes three days to do settlement uh, when, when because it's information today, it can be instantaneous. And if I can send you information for free, I can send you a payment for free. It's just as simple as that. Uh, you know, so... Uh, Listen, we're we're still writing checks, so <laughs> and we're still writing checks, you know. And and an innovation <laughs> of the ACH is a big deal. It's like the ACH should not even exist, uh, you know. So, um, you know, so so that's where we are, you know. But the interesting thing about the U.S. is that it doesn't change, it doesn't change, it doesn't change, it doesn't change until it does. And then yeah. when it does, that transition that transition then dominates the world. Okay, so uh, and that's it's been that same formula for all kinds of innovations taking place. So there's something that we need to understand about the U.S. itself. It's a very capital-intensive, uh, incumbent-centric um, business model, uh, you know, and uh, and and that's where the resistance to change comes from. Sometimes, I mean, in this case, in 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 fact, in all cases of innovation, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. The where where can we find your book, Emmanuel? Well, I mean, if you go to my name, EmmanuelDaniel.com, that's my blog page. Uh, that's the whole page dedicated to the book. That's the easiest place to find it. And I've been adding content uh, even after having published the book. Um, you know, so I look at different uh, aspects of innovations in finance, uh, and and then I realize uh, that. Um, um, some of the themes that bankers uh, like to think that they are that they are you know pushing for that they're facilitating uh, are not even true, you know. So uh, people in the banking industry like to talk about innovation in finance as facilitating financial inclusion, for example, um, you know, and uh, they they like to say that because technology is cheaper, we as banks can now. Uh, include or include um, people who are ex previously excluded uh, from finance before, um, when actually that model doesn't exist at all. And the reason is uh, on the in the platform economy, uh, the reasons the platform uh, funded by venture capitalists is to onboard as many pot potential users onto the platform and then to monetize them. So hundred you know, percent. To get um, you know um, um, uh, people who are unbanked or underbanked on platforms uh, is to monetize them uh, and to make them subservient to uh, the financial system as we know it to be. I mean, as as it exists today. Um, so so I I am able to 
uh, call the bluff uh, on uh, existing interpretations of uh, innovations uh, because you, you see it for what it is and you know where it's heading uh, and you know what needs to crumble uh, in order for the new reality to come into place. Um, you know, so, um, you know, like, for example, uh, financial inclusion. Uh, people don't want a bank account. They don't need a bank account. Uh, nobody ever needed a bank account. They just needed a platform on which they could interact with other people. Uh, and when you think about something like uh, stable coins, for example, um, now there's a whole discussion on what stable coins are and, you know, and, um, and how they should be run, uh, you know, how the algorithms should be transparent and so on. But we are coming to an age uh, and I'm saying this to bankers, okay, that, um, that they should even give up the most treasured banking product that they cannot imagine a bank, uh, uh, you know, being without. And what is that product? The bank deposit, the, the good old bank deposit. Um, think about this. You and I, when we put money into the bank today for, as a bank deposit, we get almost nothing out of it. Um, you know, the interest rates on bank deposits are like 0.5 or 1% if you're generous. Uh, you know, it's the most useless of product for the, for the end user. Um, you know, and what do banks do with their excess deposits? They, put, they go out and trade with it and they make billions more money uh, out of that. And, and it shows up on their balance sheet on another part of the balance sheet while telling customers that, oh, you know, how expensive your bank deposit is and so on. Now, and we've now reached a, an age, and not so much in the US, but, but in many other countries, um, uh, what people like to have is a digital wallet, um, exactly. you know, and, and with a digital wallet, they're able to interact with other elements in their own society. You can use it for your cab fare, you can use it to go out to restaurants, you pay each other, um, you know, um, and, and your whole livelihood um, takes place in your digital wallet. And you don't have to be a bank to have a digital wallet. And, and you take it to another level, um, you know, the a digital wallet, which becomes a token that can be used for, um, you know, uh, network transactions, that's a stable coin. You know, then I'm telling the banks that, can you imagine a world where every bank in the world um, issues its own stable coin? Stable coin. <clears throat> right? Yeah. And, and then interacts with other banks' stable coins. And it's a question of, um, you know, which stable coins are respected in the marketplace, accepted, uh, and the valuations are, are holding because, um, you know, they, 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 are, they are being used for various transactions and so on. So the integrity of the bank is tested. Uh, in the network, okay. Um, now bankers cannot imagine this, and um, and I, in order to bring home the point on that, I say to them: Remember Kodak? They invented digital film in 1995 together with a few other players. And guess what? They were the very ones that didn't trust their own invention, uh, and they continued to sell the 35 mm film uh, right in the 2000s. And 2001, Sony came up with its um, camera. What do they call it? Um, uh, Cyberpod? I, I can't remember the name now. But Sony came up with this camera in 2001 and 2007 was the iPhone. Uh, and, and all through that time, uh, Kodak was still selling this wonderful 35mm uh, yellow box that you saw in you know, every advertisement or on, a, on a tourist site. Right? And 2010, Kodak went into bankruptcy. 
because its holding cost of, of its business model uh, was way offline and people had moved on to digital by that time. So that's the kind of innovation that we're going to see in finance, you know, and it's it's well on its way. The, that, that, that process is working its way right now. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We're going to have to continue this conversation on another time. And I hope that a lot of things that you've written in your book and we spoke a little today about become true and we can see uh, how we all advance for the better in finance and in life. Um, for those of you listening, make sure you go and check out the great transition, emmanueldaniel.com, correct? And then yep. uh, we I'm sure it's on Amazon and other, other platforms yep. as well. You do have another book coming up, uh, The Winning Civilization. So hopefully I'm, I'm excited about that one too. But uh, I appreciate you. You've, you've really uh, sparked my cur- curiosity on so many levels. And I hope it has done the same for our listeners. Uh, thank you so much, Emmanuel. Thank you very much for the privilege. And, uh, you know, and yes, this is a continuing conversation. In fact, I end my books by saying that when finance is personalized, all of society is personalized. Uh, and it has uh, major repercussions in terms of how, um, you know, society itself will hold together. So I hope to have that conversation with you later. We'll do it again. Thank you so yeah. much.